Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, welcome to hour number three of Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. Home and Home brought to you by ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire, try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. What college football coach would you most like to have a beer with? We'll discuss that and some hot games this weekend, including Notre Dame, Georgia with Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. And how did a college game day sign asking for beer money end up donating thousands and thousands of dollars to a children's hospital. A lot still to come in this third hour of Home and Home. I'm Dave Briggs on the road, technically, at my other job at CNN here, Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. All right, let's start with this Thursday night matchup briefly. Jags and Titans, Tennessee, a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but the big story coming in, Ross, Jalen Ramsey, clearly on the trading block. It's believed he will be traded by tomorrow, by Friday, reports uh, most of the NFL insiders. Las Vegas slash Oakland, Kansas City, Philly, Nashville, all the expected targets. So with that in mind, why in the world would Doug Marone play Jalen Ramsey ahead of trading him the next day? I have no idea. Uh, there's a lot of different things that are weird about this. Number one, you know, Doug Marone, as well as I would argue Tom Coughlin, who's kind of the football czar, and Dave Caldwell, the general manager, I think they're all on the hot seat, Dave. I mean, they they did go to the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. Last year was a major disappointment. They swapped out the quarterback, brought in Foles, Maybe they get a pass this year because Foles has the broken collarbone. I don't know. But if you think you're on the hot seat, I don't know why you would trade arguably your best player. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But if you do think that you're going to be able to get another year and you want to get the assets in return for a guy who's kind of worn out his welcome and you're not going to pay him, I get that. I can't think of one logical reason why you would play him tonight. I I guess, Dave, maybe they're not that close to trading him or maybe trading him is unlikely because I just, there's no way anyone that's in that front office that has any risk management background whatsoever would sit there and think it made sense to play Jalen Ramsey tonight if you're going to trade him tomorrow that I don't know that I can ever remember anything like this. I've seen like baseball or the NBA Dave, where like guys get traded during the game and, or, but there's not as many injuries in those sports. Like this is bizarre to me. And honestly, I don't think people are that excited about a Jags Titans matchup. I do think Jalen Ramsey is going to be a big boost to the ratings tonight. 
because everybody thinks that their team's the one trading for him, and they're going to watch the game tonight, partially watching to see how good he is and partially hoping he doesn't get hurt. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Well, if you are coaching, if you're on the hot seat, you got to figure you obviously have a better chance at winning with Jalen Ramsey on the on the field. And I believe of the 0-2 football teams, there are only two, maybe three, that have an outside shot at the playoffs. And I think the Jags top the list. So in the short term, it makes sense to play him. But if you're going to trade him for picks and strictly picks, and that's what we've uh, been told by numerous sources, that they're looking for a first plus something else, then you're both playing for now and trading for the future. So it's one of those strange give and takes that we're seeing across the league like we've seen with Bill O'Brien. Um, I think it just makes sense. You can only play in one football game. For those wondering if he could play tonight, be traded, and then play on Sunday, no. The NFL says no, you cannot do that. That is not allowed by the rules. So it would make more sense if they're to hold him out, trade him, then he would still be available to a playoff contender come Sunday. So it is a, a baffling decision. Let's hear from the head coach on that situation and how Doug Marone describes it. Always had a, a, a good open relationship where we've always been able to talk. And we sat down yesterday, we talked about, you know, what's going on as far as he and I, and, you know, it's like anything else in this profession, you know, it's, it's behind us now. Um, his focus is on playing and being, doing the best job for his teammates. Um, and my job is being able to do the best job for the team. So, you know, that, that's behind us right now. Look, have you guys had a pretty good relationship over your three years? I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of people took took out of that the sideline disagreement that you guys were kind of not in love with each other. But I think isn't that uh, maybe far from the truth? Uh, you know, again, you'd have to ask him. But from from my standpoint, absolutely. Yeah. I've always felt that we've been able to talk. We've been able to sit down. We have in the past. Uh, you know, for, for multiple things that have come, um, you know, from when he's been here and when he's been um, at home in Tennessee. Do you have any experience with something like this, a guy requesting a trade midseason? I, I stay out of that. I, again, that's above, you know, what goes on. Um, I stay out of contracts, stay out of that stuff, and my focus is on the guys, you know, that are playing, and, and he's playing, and he's on the team. So I don't, I don't get involved in that. They talk, they're friends, they scream at each other on the sidelines over whether or not to challenge the <laughs> play. Jalen Ramsey's never been happy about playing zone. He wants to play man-to-man. They're best friends, Ross. Yeah, I mean, look, what do you, what's he going to say if you're Doug Marone, right? I mean, right. I think he knows he's on the hot seat in Jacksonville. He wants people to believe that he's got a good relationship with his players, a good rapport, that he knows how to handle, you know, the new age, younger players. So... Whatever. I definitely don't believe that. Oh, I don't. I, I stay out of that stuff about his trade request. Yeah, right, dude. Like, and by the way, if that were the case, oh my gosh, are we back to that? If that were the case, if that was the case, if that were the case, we literally have already posted that on social media. And I'm going back to that. I wasn't even trying to. But doesn't that make him look even worse? Doesn't that make him look um, like inconsequential? If he really is not involved in that, if he really stays out of that, the trade request and whether or not he gets traded, like, wow, that doesn't say a whole lot, Doug, for, you know, what you're doing there with that team at all. If you're, if you're not even involved when your best player wants to be traded, that's bizarre to me. And, and also, let me, let me make one more point about 
this. You, you mentioned how a team called the NFL to ask if Jalen Ramsey could play Thursday night and again Sunday night. My response to that would be, to that team would be, how about I got something groundbreaking? Get, are you ready for it? How about trading for him before he plays on Thursday night? I mean, what are we talking about here? And by the way, that's even another reason why the Jags shouldn't play in the night. Because then you could trade him on Friday, and he could play on Sunday. I mean, what are we talking? I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting officially frustrated by the moronic team that asked if he could play two games and by the Jags. Maybe it was the Jags. I, maybe it was the Jags. Can we play him for us Thursday night and then trade him Friday? Maybe it was the Jags. Oh, come on. You know it was Bill O'Brien. I mean, I mean, you just know it was Bill O'Brien. There's only one guy that I suspect would ask that question. I would have thought every NFL team was already pretty certain of how that rule works out. Jags 0-2 trying to get off the mat, and the New York Giants are obviously trying to get off the mat by making that switch from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. It is an end of an era in New York. Blue World Order, says the New York Post. Let's hear how Eli Manning took it like a champ. No other option but just to handle it and uh, do my job, support uh, support my teammates, support the Giants, and, you know, do what I you know can do to try to help, uh, uh, you know, go into football games. And, and right now that's, uh, you know, getting Daniel and helping him and, and uh, supporting him. Eli, do you wish you had a longer years? opportunity this year to, to show what you had? Well, you know, that's just not, the, you know, uh, you can wish all you want. That's not the way it played out. And, and uh, you know, so uh, in some ways, you, say, you know, I signed up for this. No one, uh, you know, when you draft a young quarterback, this this can happen. And, um, you know, I got to, I gotta you know, live with it and, and make the best of it. Eli, what was your initial reaction when Coach Schirmer coached you yesterday? Yeah, you know, just, uh, you know, I knew, knew there was a possibility. And, you know, just said, uh, hey, I'll, I'll handle it. And, uh I'll support Daniel, and I'll, I'll do, um, you know, I'll be a good teammate and, and, you know, do what I'm told. Just two games in, any element of surprise, though, with the decision? You know, just, hey, um, you know, you just, you just, uh, when you're a football player, you do what you're told, and, and, uh, and this is, you know, this is what I've been told, and I'll handle it. Eli Manning, class act as he's always been, but Ross Tucker, the ultimate truth of this is, and, and he will help him, I believe that. You'll see him help him on the sideline of practice. He has got to root for Daniel Jones to suck because if Daniel Jones goes out there and lights it up and rejuvenates New York and starts six and two, then me and you and everybody else across the country is going to start to say, you know what? F those two Super Bowl MVPs. This guy has been bringing the Giants down for years. It's been him, singly him, and that will hurt his Hall of Fame chances, won't it? I think it will, but don't tell Nick Costos that, who joined us earlier. I mean, he was pretty fired about it. For those of you that missed the first hour, I encourage you to go back and listen to it on demand at radio.com or on the radio.com app. I think you're exactly right. I, I think every I, now I don't think Eli's going to actually root for Daniel Jones to play poorly. I don't think Eli's that kind of guy. But if he really cared a lot about his legacy he'd probably realize it's not a real good look for him if Daniel Jones comes in there and turns this team around. Not a real good look for him at all.
No, it is not. And as for the question, before we move on quickly, as for that question, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, our our man Costos weighed in on that strong answering. Yes, doesn't care how many interceptions he threw. Definitive yes that Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Of course, he did that wearing a number 10 jersey. How about Teddy Bruschi, one of the greats of all time who played a lot of games against Eli Manning, including a Super Bowl or two, you might have remembered. What does Teddy Bruschi think about Eli's Hall of Fame status? Listen. I'm sure you guys are going to get to this topic this week on ESPN. We've been talking about it today. A lot of the New Yorkers are coming out of the woodwork, and they're looking at the change with Daniel Jones taking over as quarterback for the Giants. This is the end of Eli Manning, and they're ready to shoot him all the way into Canton, Ohio. Right now, let's take him right there into the Hall of Fame. When you look at his 16-year career, do you see a Hall of Famer there, Teddy? Well, I still lay up late at night and can't sleep because of what Eli did to us. I get that. Was that enough, though, those two Super Bowls? Is that enough to He's the wrong person to, to ask. Can't? Yeah, might be. <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of traumatized. Like, it's like you're affected. I, I you're traumatized. Think, I do think Eli belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think it's like first, second, third year of eligibility or anything like that. I think it's going to take a little time because it is a debate. It is a debate, and I can understand that with the 500 regular season. Um, but it's Eli. It's a quarterback in New York. It's you know, uh, you know, it's the Manning name, and what he did in those Super Bowls to me, you know, was was, was very important. I thought. I mean, I, I like I said, fellas. I mean, you may be asking the wrong guy on this because <laughs> I, I think about it all the time about what he did, and that was that was the one that got away, and they really did. He he played he played great that game. All right, that is the great Teddy Bruschi on WEEI, Ordway, Merloni, and Fourier. Agree there. He will go into the Hall of Fame. But, boy, it's going to be interesting to watch Danny Dimes this first 6, 8, 10, and the rest of the season, the rest of the 14 games left, how that might change the way we view Eli Manning. We're going to move to college football when we come back with Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. A lot to get into that prime matchup between Notre Dame and Georgia. How about the college athletes? Will they get paid in New York, South Carolina, and California? And what college coach would you most like to have a beer with? College coaches were asked that question. We'll ask Pete about all that in just a bit. But first, hiring can be a challenge. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter doesn't just depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified candidates. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks' time, if you can believe it. So we want you to try ZipRecruiter for free right now at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter dot com slash e-n-t-e-r zip recruiter is the smartest way to hire let's roll here 
with my guy Pete Thamel, who is the college football guru for Yahoo. He's been writing about college football forever. New York Times, Sports Illustrated does a terrific job. Pete, it's Ross. It's Dave. Great to have you back on the show. Ross and Dave, great to be back on the show. All right. So I think obviously Notre Dame, Georgia is the big matchup. There's a lot of good games, though, I think. I'm, I'm fired up about the entire slate. But let's start with Notre Dame, Georgia. It feels like, Pete, exactly nobody thinks Notre Dame can actually win this game. Is that fair or unfair? I do think that's the, the general tenor. Vegas certainly thinks that way, making it a 14-point uh, spread. Uh, it was a one-point game in South Bend two years ago. I feel like the momentum of the Georgia program since that since that night in South Bend, combined with the Irish looking so pedestrian on that Monday night in Louisville, has sort of created the perception that they may not be able to hang. Uh, Georgia's offensive line is one of, if not the best in all of college football, and I think they'll have a distinct advantage up there. And uh, and look, I. The way Notre Dame's offense sputtered at different times in that Louisville game was concerning. You you bring in Ian Book as your starting quarterback to be accurate, to run Chip Long's offense, to get in a rhythm, to move the ball down the field, and Ian Book wasn't accurate. And Ian Book, that is his that is his defining characteristic. And so I think so many people watched that game it probably didn't give as accurate a portrayal of who Notre Dame is because they sort of sputtered and slogged through it. So I think that's why th there is this giant gap between Notre Dame and Georgia perception-wise right now. Uh, I think Notre Dame, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I do think Georgia is is going to win. I, I think Georgia's just the better team and the better program right now, and it's obviously going to be a raucous environment down there in, uh, in Athens. But I don't think this thing is going to be 52-6, to six, Ross. Boy, I was shocked to see a two-touchdown underdog for a seventh-ranked team. Is is Jake Fromm the most underrated quarterback in the country? It's a good question. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to underrate him when the when the guy went toe to toe and nearly won the national title as a as, as a true freshman is and he's really only gotten better since. I think the more interesting question about Jake Fromm, uh, Dave, is is where does he end up on the NFL quarterback draft board right now? Uh, I know when, when Ross and I talked to Norman, he was a big fan of Fromm off the field and thinks the NFL will really like his intangibles, his chutzpah, if you will. Um, and, and when you when you look at I do think the top quarterback spot in the NFL draft is obviously going to be the Tua and Justin Derby. Jordan Love is gaining steam. But um, I really think Fromm is going to be there somewhere in the top 15 because he's just going to be the guy who all he does is win complete passes. He can make all the throws. He doesn't fit traditional size paradigms. But but I feel like those size paradigms are changing in front of our eyes. All right, so Pete, what's the number two game? We talked about Notre Dame, Georgia. That's the marquee matchup. CBS, 8 o'clock, Saturday night, should be awesome. What, what would be the second game for you? So I'm going to give you, Ross, 2A and 2B. Uh, 2A is Michigan at Wisconsin, noon tilt on Fox on Saturday. Wisconsin, a three-point favorite in that game. It, and Michigan's at like a funny crossroads, one that they've approached the last couple seasons. Like they're just dying. Michigan fans are dying and waiting for Jim Harbaugh to do something, you know, and he really just hasn't done anything. He's 41 and 14. He has no big wins. He's never won as an underdog, which he is on Saturday. 
uh, never won an underdog while the coach at Michigan. And it seems like when the talent is equal, Michigan turtles, their offense was a mess against army. Um, they tried a philosophical overhaul. It has not gone seamlessly so far. Shea Patterson was dinged up in that game. He's back hundred percent healthy now, but I just think if Michigan gets ground out by Wisconsin in this game and look, Wisconsin looks like it's back. I mean, they, they, there's been no more dominant team in the country than Wisconsin uh, through their two games. So, I really think it puts Michigan at this funny crossroads. And let's not forget, Jim Arbaugh only has two years left on his contract. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to get – I'm not saying they're going to fire him, but is it hard to sign up for, you know, $8 million a year for five more years of kind of being a second-tier Big Ten team? So it's a fascinating subplot. And then quickly on Friday night, Utah, the Pac-12 favorite, who I've loved since, you know, since the end of last season to, to win the Pac-12, uh, been huge on the Utah bandwagon. They're favored in the Coliseum against USC. Clay Helton is 1-12 as an underdog straight up uh, in his career. Clay Helton will be an underdog the next four games. So I, would, I didn't take a lot of math classes at Syracuse, guys, but that doesn't add up well for the Trojans. No, it does not. Uh, Clemson will not be underdog the rest of the season, one would imagine. This weekend they are going to blow out Charlotte. But a question on Trevor Lawrence, because, look, he, he hasn't certainly yeah. been bad, but five interceptions already. Mm -hmm. He had four in 15 games last year. Everyone expected him to progress. You Definitely he has regressed. Is there any problem there? What's going on with Lawrence? It's it's interesting. Uh, and uh, our uh, our Yahoo intern, Josh Schaefer up at Syracuse, did a good column off that game on, on Saturday night where there, there was a general sense around the Clemson program that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is pressing to be perfect. And, and that can be hard. Look like what could the guy have done to live up to these expectations? Like I just yeah. an hour ago, an NFL scout texted me out of the blue and he said, you know, Trevor Lawrence is great, but the best ever. I mean, that's basically like the standard he was given was you have to be Andrew Luck. And that's really hard. And look, quarterback's a funny position. And look, Trevor Lawrence looked a little zoned out on, on Saturday. He, he threw one horrific interception. And, and quite frankly, Syracuse lost 41-6. They were not near the better team. They had the ball down two scores within the 10-yard line because of Clemson turnovers twice in, in that third quarter. That easily could have been a contested game. Now, Syracuse, Tommy DeVito threw a worse interception than uh, Trevor Lawrence, and that's when the game sort of swung and, and, got, out, and got out of hand. But uh, Trevor Lawrence invited uh, Syracuse back in that game. Now, that said, Clem the rest of the Clemson schedule is just hot garbage. Like we're never going to really see how good, you know, it, we're, we're going to go through the rest of the year wondering how good Clemson really is and how they would stack up with Alabama and how they would stack up with Georgia. Look, they throttled Texas A&M like they, like they should have. And I believe they're the best team in the country, but we are not going to have the data points to reaffirm that going on because the ACC is just a heaping dumpster fire. You know, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, Pete, just about sort of the business of, of college football in the sense that I'm hearing that ratings are – not ratings, I'm sorry. Attendance is going down, which is interesting because I guess I felt like a few years ago when they were talking about the NFL attendance going down, my perception, and maybe I'm wrong, was that college football attendance – was staying strong. I've always felt like maybe it's the pageantry 
the loyalty to the college and the state and the cheerleaders and everything that goes into it, the bands. What are you hearing and seeing about attendance issues? And is that affecting the business of college football or are the ratings as good as ever? So attendance and ratings are two very different uh, things, Ross. And these are all very good, pertinent questions that I'm talking to athletic directors about all the time. Uh, college football, from an attendance perspective, is, is hitting sort of like a, like a big picture existential question. Um, the scheduling model, as it is now, discourages fans from attending and buying season tickets. Because if you're buying an SEC season ticket package, you only really want to go to half the games. So that makes it an unwise purchase. You don't want to see them blow directional Louisiana off the field. And you don't want to see them, you know, play bad teams. Like you have other things to do, like for college students and, and for college football fans, they want to watch good games. So why go to the, um, you know, the the FCS sort of appetizer game to, to, to root on, you know, whatever SEC team you like when you can sit home and watch three really good games. I mean, college football is a product is in great shape in the micro i think we're going to see athletic directors trend towards going away from those games and having more attractive out of conference games even though their coaches may not love it because the coaches obviously want to just get wins and tuck them away now i say this reversing scheduling trends are, are going to be slower than what, what ross would run in a 40-yard dash right now because th <laughs> these things are scheduled 15 years out 10 years out a lot of times. So you can, you can be the athletic director and say, all right, we're going to change Alabama's schedule. Well, you know, tough cookies is Alabama's non-conference is scheduled out now for at least 10 years. So I, I do think that on the campus level, that is an issue and it's a big issue, but here's a little secret. Attendance doesn't matter when you're getting tens of millions of dollars from these, you know, television networks, the big 10 schools are getting 54 million a year. Does a bad gate hurt you? Absolutely, it hurts you. But does it does it affect your bottom line in a way that really impedes you moving forward as an athletic department? Probably is not as much as you think. And the big question, speaking of money and college football, is the continued legislation popping up around the country. Like a lot of things, it can be cast off in California as well. California kind of does their own thing. But then South Carolina pops up. A couple lawmakers want to pass legislation to allow athletes to profit from their own likeness. That's tough to cast off because of Clemson and Trevor Lawrence in particular. And now New York is joining the fray as a third state. How do you see this all playing out? Well, I feel like uh, the California law was going to go into effect in 2023, Dave. And I feel like by 2023, we're going to have some sort of name, image, and likeness. There's, there's, been, there's been too much momentum right now, and there's been too much bad publicity. And the, and the gap between what the, the coaches and the ADs are getting, coaches making $10 million a year, yeah, ADs making $3-plus million a year, and you're seeing these giant TV contracts. The, the, the athletes are going to have to start getting a slice of the cookie because there is just a – the public sentiment – is just so searing right now. And you look at the federal investigation that's defined college basketball the last two years, and you look at what's going on with football, how they do it and what they what they do is, you know, the devil's always in the details. That is going to be fascinating and compelling. But I do think by that sort of 2023 deadline that we saw in California, 
we there will be something implemented. The NCA only makes changes when when like a big Bond villain has their foot on their head and a knife on their throat. And right now the foot's on their head and the dude's reaching for his machete. So I think we're going to see changes soon. So here's what I don't understand about that, Pete. Because uh, everybody thinks this is such a great idea and they should be compensated for their likeness and image and name. And I, I get that. Look, and I look. I, I want the I want every football player in the world to get as much money as they possibly can from playing football. So I root for that, right? But I also know some boosters. I also know how things work. Like, how does that not become a huge recruiting thing then? That all these oh. guys that really want to be paying these guys money anyway and have either had to be prevented from doing so or figured out other ways. Like, how has it not become a sport? And maybe you'll tell me it already is, but that's in part decided based on boosters who are willing to give bigger likeness and image guarantees when these kids are still in high school. Like, this to me opens up a whole other pandora's box that that i don't think people re everybody thinks it's such a great idea i don't think people really realize if something like this is legal how much it could change things and how much it could change the landscape you know great points ross and and i do think that essentially now the black market is what you just described exists i'm a full-on cynic in that a lot of college basketball and college football players and their families are getting paid under the table. So I think it takes the under the table stuff and brings it about, uh, on top of the table. And um, But you're absolutely correct. The execution of this and the legislation of this is going to be massively messy. I mean, look, everything the NCAA does is messy, right? Like there's, there's, no, there's no clean way to legislate a organization where Miami and Maine and Duke and Drake are under the same rules. So – uh, it, it, I do think it will like, I do think those, those same boosters who want to give kids, you know, 500 bucks in a brown bag after a game or whatever are now going to like be or orchestrated and organized to set up like autographs at a car dealership. Like there's, you know, these guys are going to be on payroll and, uh, it, and it's, it, it, it will be fascinating to see how that comes out. And I do think it will be messy quite, quite frankly, um, and it's going to it's going to create a whole other layer to college athletics that'll that'll be compelling but but I do genuinely think we're headed there. Yeah, I can't imagine if you have a booster like the late T Boone Pickens who has multi billions of dollars energy companies paying a kid a million 2 million dollars for his likeness is nothing for T Boone Pickens who gave 652 million dollars to Oklahoma yeah. State. I, I think we're all agreeing on this that I don't I love the idea of athletes being paid, but that is a long and messy road ahead, not to mention Title IX issues that will certainly be an issue. Talking with Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports College football writer, follow him at Pete Thamel, T H A M E L. I want to ask you about the Hatter back in college yeah. football. One of the great yeah. stories of this season, Les Miles back and doing well in a hurry at KU. Is this for real? And is college football a better place with the Hatter? Well, the second question is easy. College football is a much better place <laughs> with Les Miles. I, I live up in, in Boston, so I spent Thursday night with Les and the Kansas staff before their Friday night game against Boston College, which I also attended and was completely shocked that, that Kansas not only won as a three-touchdown underdog, but 
absolutely, utterly dominated BC. They scored on seven. I mean, this is how improbable this victory was, that they scored seven points against Coastal Carolina, and against Boston College, they scored on seven straight possessions. That is not normal. So um, it was fun, you know, as someone who covered Les Miles in his prime at LSU and, and got to know he, his wife, Kathy, to see sort of that twinkle in Les's eye as he uh, as he walked out of the press room at, at Alumni Stadium the other night. It was just fun to see him and have him back. I do not think this is like a slingshot of Kansas into the top 25. I do think there is a long slog ahead of them in the Big 12. I think the Big 12 top to bottom, there's an argument that they're as good as any league in the country right now. I think K-State is excellent. Uh, Texas Tech did do a, a face plant in, uh, in Arizona the other night. But when you look at Oklahoma, you look at Texas, you look at Oklahoma State, I think it's a really good league. Kansas has a long way to go, but a win like this provides hope, and hope is critical. And Kansas, for a decade, had no hope. Uh, there's a lot of people, Pete, that hope to be able to have a beer with their favorite college football coach. And I saw where a guy we know, Brett McMurphy from Stadium, evidently polled college coaches and asked, who they would most want to have a beer with. Number one was Mike Leach. Number two, Saban. Three, Pat Fitzgerald. Number four, Dabo. And number five, Mike Gundy. So my question for you, Pete, and you're probably the wrong person, or maybe the right person to ask, because I think you've probably already had beers with most of these guys. Uh, but who who should be the number one answer in your mind? It's hard to argue with with Mike Leach. I've been lucky enough to have a beer with Mike uh, over the years, and have known him for for a very long time. And uh, I mean, he is just uh, he's just he's just he's just wild. Now he's super smart. I, I don't know if you guys saw the clip of him breaking down the Pac-12 mascot wars off the top of his head. Did that make the way into your show? Like just the way he was like, right away, he was like, well, we've got to, we've got to figure out what mystical powers the sun devil has. And then he went through all the animals and he's like, does the Trojan have a sword? Um, if the Ute has a rifle, it's game over. And it was just like, he is one of the quickest, quirkiest and funniest guys on that, uh, on that whole landscape. So be, uh, you know, be, it would be hard to not go with Mike there in that top spot. Okay, but here's what I don't understand. Like, I, I, I get Pat Fitzgerald's a cool guy. Maybe you just want to see Saban, what he's like when he actually has a beer, see if he can actually relax at all. But Les Miles isn't on that list, which yeah. is crazy to me. But the num how is the answer, Pete, not Ed Orgeron? Like, what are we <laughs> talking about? How is Ed Orgeron not number one on yeah. this list? I mean, I want to have a beer with that guy. He's the only one yeah. of them I really want to have a beer with. He's been sober for 20 years, so that's probably why he can't rush. Oh, got it, got oh. it, got it, got it, got it. I did not know that. I did not know that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. What about right. what about Les Miles or somebody else? I got to change the subject Absolutely. real quick. What about Les, Les Miles is, or Miles? Les is, Les is good. I, I think Tom Herman would be a good name on that list. Kevin Sumlin would be uh would be an excellent name on that list. Chip Kelly's a fun guy to have a beer with. Um tells tells really? great stories. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no Yeah, no doubt about it. Chip Chip is from the Northeast and he's sarcastic. He's funny. Yeah. I I, I he's he, he'd be very high up on uh Now, on, now on what my... what do you think happened there by the way, Pete? Uh, I mean, do you think he's just like he lost all the magic? Like, I mean, he's going to get fired from this job and then he's going to be like New Hampshire's offensive coordinator again. 
Yeah, he, and he may be happy doing that too. Um, no, I, I actually, I said this on our podcast this week uh, on Yahoo Sports, and I was mocked by my uh, coworkers. I'm going to say it again. You can feel free to mock me. I think Chip Kelly's going to work out at UCLA. I just think it's going to take time. I don't think you can be as innovative and as smart offensively. Like Ryan Day's pass game that he's using so successfully at Ohio State came from Chip Kelly. Like he, he did not become dumb overnight. Um, they need an accurate quarterback. They need upgrade in talent defensively. The, the scariest part there is they have not recruited well. Um, but there's a lot of belief in their evaluation and their development. And I do think Chip Kelly will turn the battleship there. But I, and, and I thought we saw it a little bit at the end of last year. Um, now, as we, uh, you know, as, as this year has come, it, it certainly has been, uh, it certainly has not been pretty. All right. Uh, speaking of beer, I'm going to bet you a six pack of, no, let's make it a 12 pack of whatever beer you choose. No way Chip Kelly survives there at UCLA. Uh, I'll, let, let's say it's, um, heck, I'll go two years, 12 pack of your choice. Deal? Deal. Okay. Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports. Great to have you on, my friend. Hey, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate you guys. That is an interesting discussion. College coaches you'd most like to have a beer with. We'll also talk when we come back, Ross Tucker, about what NFL coach would you most like to have a beer with? Would it be Bill Belichick or he'd be right there in the Saban conversation? We're going to take a quick break. More on that in just a minute. All right, it's a little early for a beer, but it's never too early for beer conversation. What college coach would you most like to have a beer with? Brett McMurphy from Stadium asked other college coaches who they'd like to have one with, and Mike Leach of Washington State was number one on that list. He will be featured in an upcoming all-access HBO show. Florida, Arizona State will also be featured, and that interesting show starts in early October. There is the list for those of you watching, not just listening, on the Radio.com app. We appreciate that. Tell your friends to download it. It is free for me. It's pretty easy. It is the Hatter. It is Les Miles number one. It is Dabo Sweeney two, and it is the Mullet Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State three. Ross Tucker, who you got? Well, I have to kind of change mine because it was Ed Orgeron, but I didn't realize that Ed wasn't drinking anymore, uh, 20 years sober. So uh, I, 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 I kind of like the idea of Gundy and Les Miles. Maybe I'm not that creative. Dabo doesn't get me excited at all. Not, not at all. Um, <laughs> that That's not one I would be looking forward to. I don't even know if he drinks or not. I, I don't know. Uh, but Les Miles, Mike Leach would be interesting, but I, I like Les Miles and Gundy. I feel like those guys would be a good time. I uh, I guess the reason I hesitate with Leach, here's why. He's a very interesting dude, and that video on the most powerful mascot in the conference is fascinating. But I find him kind of like the crazy uncle, and when you work at CNN – you don't want to have a beer with the crazy uncle because the crazy uncle is going to go right for President Trump. We're going to fight about politics. He's not going to know a damn thing about it. And he's not he's going to be totally averse to facts, but he's just going to scream and yell <laughs> louder than me. But if he wants to have a joint, maybe maybe that would be an interesting thing to do. But uh, only because it's legal what, up there in Washington state, only because it's legal. What about yeah. uh what about NFL head coaches? 
that you'd want to have a beer with. Yeah, I think that's pretty easy. And I think a lot of these things depend on what you're going for. Are you trying to have a good time or are you trying to be inspired? And that's why I put Dabo on the list. I think he's one of the most inspirational people in sports. I feel like I'd come out of there going through walls and I'd rethink my whole career and I'd have a new direction. But in the NFL, I want to chill. I want to have a good time. You might have a joint and a beer because it's legal out there as well. Pete Carroll, number one for me. Sean McVay, number two. Because I think he's a cool dude. He's my age-ish. Uh, and John Gruden, just because pure comedic value, I would just sit back and, and watch him pound beers and get interesting. What do you got? Uh, well, so, so you got the answer wrong, by the way. The answer, unequivocally, is Andy Reid. Andy Reid would be amazing to have beers with. He would be my number one. I hear you're McVeigh, but that's kind of like Kingsbury. And I know you fancy yourself a pretty boy, but do you really want to be out yeah. there with guys that are younger and better looking than you? I don't think that's a good look for you, Dave. That's I, I a think great you need point. To be, you need to be the good. You need to be the <laughs> handsome one. You, I mean, if you're not the good looking one, what are you? You know what I mean? Like, if you're not the good looking uh... one and you're out there with McVeigh and Kingsbury, not good for you. You know who would also be awesome to have a beer with? Mike yeah. Zimmer. I guarantee Mike Zimmer would be fun to have a beer with. Because I know Zimmer. He's the man. So I like Zimmer a lot. Uh, Matt Patricia, I think, would be interesting. From the Lions. I'm trying to think. Yeah. You, know who, you know who I wouldn't want to have a beer with, probably? Yeah. Sean Payton. I'm not feeling Sean Payton. Now he's acting like he might play two quarterbacks. You know, for the Saints against the Seahawks. Look, I, I hope they do play two quarterbacks. It'll be more interesting. My point would be, though, if Teddy Bridgewater's not your guy, why, oh, why, Dave, would you have brought him back for $7.25 million if he's not clearly your number two? That wouldn't make, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, Peyton went on yesterday and did his best to convince the media that he hadn't made a decision on the quarterback position, and we're going to approach it as we have two quarterbacks, and, and then he pushed back on some reporter that said, uh, well, Taysom's your number two, and he said, well, why do you think he's a number two? Um, clearly, this is a bluff, man. He just wants Seattle uh, to prepare. Is it is it Seattle? Who do they play this weekend? He wants yes. you know, the yeah, they want them to prepare for two completely different quarterbacks, a guy that is dynamic, uh, that will probably run first like Taysom Hill, and then prepare for a more vanilla scheme that Teddy Bridgewater will run. Clearly, Bridgewater is going to get every opportunity to have this job. And I think Taysom Hill only plays, I don't know, between five and ten snaps a game. Bridgewater is the guy they hope can just keep things on the tracks and get Breeze back in there in six or seven weeks and make the postseason. Don't you think he's bluffing? For sure. And really, here, because here's the thing. If you really were going to play Taysom Hill a lot, you wouldn't have said that. You, you wouldn't have mentioned that, right? Like, if you were really going to play Taysom Hill a lot, you wouldn't have tried to create the intrigue. You'd be like, yeah, Teddy's our guy. Teddy's a man. So that, that's why I'm, I'm with you on that. That makes no sense to me why he would do that. Um, he is bluffing, I believe, because if they were going to play Taysom Hill, he would try to act like he's not playing Taysom Hill. Unless this is a reverse Jedi mind trick like 
Princess Bride thing where it's so obvious he's bluffing that he's really not bluffing. Does that make sense? Wow. Um, no. <laughs> that is brilliant analogy. That is, you are playing three-dimensional chess. I'm a checkers man myself. Uh, look, I, I actually am more intrigued by Taysom Hill. I think he ends up the starter in three weeks. I don't, every time I see that guy on the field, I just feel like the, the electricity turns up. The offense is dynamic. You don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how accurate a passer is because we haven't seen it enough. But boy, would he keep defenses off balance. And that is certainly the trend we are looking at with guys like Lamar Jackson. It would be fascinating to see what that offense does. But look, seven million bucks, as you said, the second highest paid backup in the league, only because Eli Manning's getting 20 million to be a backup quarterback. Um, let's talk about a couple of NFL related tweets before we go. And there was some interesting ones. Uh, and let's start with the Dallas Cowboys who released, and we haven't got to this in three hours, released a former first round draft pick, Taco Charlton. There was free tacos, free tacos on Wednesday. At least if they were going to tweet that, they should have been clever about it. But the Cowboys tweet that. And if you notice anything, again, if you are watching, not just listening on the radio.com app, you see down there at the bottom, there is a sponsor a corporate sponsor for breaking news. <laughs> that is pretty cold, man. Cutting a guy loose and making sure you get some sponsorship dollars while you do it. But this is all, Ross, the brilliance that is Jerry Jones. You remember a few weeks back when he said Zeke who, joking around, Rocky Arsenault, the agent, got pissed, and, and Zeke said he was offended by it. What happened when they signed Zeke to a contract? 30 bucks a pop, Jerry Jones already had Ziku t-shirts selling on the Cowboys website. The man will market everything. That's why they are the most valuable brand, the most valuable franchise in all of sports today. It's unbelievable. He, he really, I mean, he has figured out a way to sell or monetize everything. I don't have a problem with it. You know, that, that, Probably that tweet probably got him a bunch of money. Is it a great look for Taco Charlton? No, but you know what? They didn't get their money back on Taco, so they got to try to find a way to get their money back some <laughs> other way. It's funny. I, I think it's funny, too, when they have injury report updates that are sponsored by, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield or by uh, Briggs Orthopedic Institute or whatever the different things are. It's kind of funny, but... If there's something to sell, Jerry Jones is going to sell it and more power to him. I mean, he, he's he's a hustler. I said this a while ago on this show. I am a capitalist and I respect the hustle. And speaking, uh, speaking of selling, uh, the Carolina Panthers did their effort to sell Kyle Allen as the new face, or at least for this week, of the Carolina Panthers at quarterback. Look at this. I'll be ready. Look, I hope Kyle Allen ex excels as quarterback, but this is a kid who was benched twice in college, who was cut last year from the practice squad. Are you buying? Panthers are selling. I don't know why these crack me up so much. Like, <laughs> I, like that is like, if I have to go in... I'll be ready. Like, if you read the fine print, I mean, isn't that funny? Like, I don't know why these crack me up, Dave, but they do. Like, that that just seems really, really lame. I, am I missing something? 
No, and confirm now, Adam Schefter just tweeted that Cam Newton not practicing today. He says Kyle Allen time is coming. So, again, neither of us are buying that. But, again, I, I think he probably makes them a better a better football team. Cam Newton, 34%, uncatchable passes through two weeks. He's worthless. And lastly, buy and selling. You gave a speech last night. What's your message when you are selling Ross Tucker quickly? No, I'm giving a speech this afternoon. I'm giving a oh, speech this afternoon yet to Lackawanna Community College up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. They get a ton. Basically, their whole football team goes D1 okay. every year. And I will tell you tomorrow how the speech went as well as what my message is. You're not giving me 10 seconds to tell you what my message is and how I sell myself, Briggs. I see what you tried to do there, and I'm not falling for it. I will tell you tomorrow. <laughs> That's a tease, Briggs. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.